Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. We are back, Chelsea fans, with another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, I'm your host, my name is Brandon, and joining me are Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, obviously, uh, tensions are high in the Chelsea community, so uh, Nick, really excited to hear the emotion that you've got uh, got prepped for this one. I'm a pretty level-headed guy. I don't know how much I can bring uh, to the table here, but you know, I'm going to try, Brandon, to, uh, to light it up today. Dan, I know that you are getting your anecdotes and metaphors and soliloquies ready to to distract us, maybe from from the past three matches. It'd be quite the magician's trick to be able to distract from what happened for the last 277 minutes on the pitch in Chelsea matches, otherwise known as that bullshit. 
Yep. Well, uh, before we get into a lot of this, I just wanted to introduce our guest, obviously, uh, in case you didn't know, we do have Clayton Bierman on the on the show today. So a longtime season ticket holder, also was at Leicester City yesterday. So it'll be really good to kind of hear your observations about maybe the atmosphere and how things went. And also, you know, it's great to have someone uh, like yourself, Clayton, who has such a, a long-standing history with the club and maybe can give us a little bit of perspective and we can, you know, maybe not take this in such a vacuum wind tunnel that uh, the last few matches have provided for us. So thank you for, for coming back and joining us. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for having me back. Um, just two words for you guys, raising Arizona. I was listening with interest at your uh, Nick Cave conversation last week, and I can't <laughs> believe you didn't mention that film. So I'm glad, if for nothing else, to be able to say that. So um, I've said my piece. I can go now. A very, very important time to get you back on, too. Uh, if you don't know, Clayton wrote a wonderful book, Palpable Discord, uh, which, if you remember, were the two wonderful words uttered by uh, former technical director Michael Emanalo about the departing Mourinho. And, uh, you know, always a good uh, a good read available on uh, all the digital platforms, too. But uh, someone who might have some insight into how the club navigates through difficult uh, chapters, which uh, we may be heading into. I, I thought I thought you were going to say it's an important time to have him on due to all of the Nick Cage conversation we had planned in today's podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, there'll be more entertainment, about that, I suspect. Looking looking forward to that for sure. Um, but we did get an interesting question uh, from Jeff Boston on Instagram and Philip Tran on Twitter. So they're saying, to erase Chelsea's recent performances from my brain, should I turn to Blanton's or Basil Hayden? Also, rocks are neat. And that, again, is from Jeff. Uh, Phil asking us, so what's Nick's alcoholic beverage of choice to get him through that one? I, first, of all, first of all, I love how I'm the only one who drinks on this podcast. That's my favorite part of the whole deal. Yeah, like, no one drinks except for me. Uh I will I will step in here because this is my area of expertise, apparently. Um, uh, Jeff... Uh, instead of drinking good stuff like Blanton's or Basil Hayden, which I, I love personally, I think you should turn to a nice blended scotch called Clan McGregor. It's about $13 for, for a 175 uh, and it will taste exactly as that performance looked. Um, so that is your, that is your choice there. Uh, Phil, uh, just a heads up, I would typically have some sort of Irish coffee or, 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 uh, or uh, coffee stout uh, beer, but... Uh, I was uh, in the ER on Friday night, so uh, so booze was not allowed on on Saturday morning for me. Uh, Dan, did you have any beverages? Maybe a nice orange juice or or a milk, perhaps. <laughs> Um, milk, yeah, uh, you know, definitely nothing with alcohol. I, I assure you, it was just you know, a regular iced coffee, which uh, black, like the the dark, depressing moments in uh, <laughs> oh the God. match. Get out of here! All right, well, uh, we're gonna you know move this along real quick before it gets any darker than it is uh so some positive news dan itunes reviews two more uh definitely a long time friend of the pod i ate buffalo wings coming through finally great to see that yeah drop drop five stars in between uh maybe an order or a round of some some wings during this wonderful season of football and then uh b morris 08 both dropping some some five star love on itunes and as always we appreciate it and if you would like to get a little call out in the very first part of our show. Just uh, head on over to that iTunes, you know, scroll, find London's Blue Podcast, drop a little five star, and we'll uh, give you a shout. 
And then, Nick, this time we got another donation on Patreon, which is amazing, from Jeremy. Uh, For $5, he decided that he wants you to send him a handwritten postcard. Lucky you, man. Yeah, my my favorite part about this, you know, Jeremy's been a friend of the pod for a long time, and he requested that I I bring the postcard rating up to an E with with some explicit language. So, uh, no problem there, man. I will take care <laughs> of that for you. I'm really looking forward to the post uh, carrier that has to yeah, deal with you just or handle your it. message. It's like, what the what the bleep is going on here? This um, is a very disturbed man. That that is that that's that five dollar donation status, though, man. You're, you're getting what you asked for. Um, all right. Well, to kick this one off, actually, I wanted to go to our friend Alex Churchill's blog. If you don't know her, uh, Girl Who Likes Balls also does uh, the Chelsea Fancast a lot, uh, and I'm sure Clayton and Alex have have crossed paths many times. And kind of a line that we pulled out was from her said, "Quote: Never have we kept three clean sheets in a row and been so depressed." End quote. <laughs> Um, I eat buffalo wings, speaking of the devil, on Instagram saying, once again, looking for positives here. Let me know if you come up with any. And then at VFactor07 say, how do you guys have the energy to record is my question. The real MVPs, keep it up, guys. Love the passion. But I mean, isn't this kind of a funny situation to be in, Clayton, right? You know, three clean sheets, um, you know, defense staying tidy, and yet we're depressed. I think frustrated is is more the, the phrase I'd use rather than depressed. Um What's the upside? We haven't lost for 10 games. We have lost one game in 18. So that's not exactly bad. Um, I think from my perspective, the last two games have been more frustrating because the previous two, obviously the the, the draw with Arsenal um, and then I uh, can't remember. the Norwich was right the after Norwich, that. The Norwich yeah. game. We were creating chances. I think what has basically, from my perspective, been slightly frustrating is the fact in the last two games, we haven't created very much and we haven't worked the goalkeepers very hard. Um, But I'm not entirely depressed. I'm slightly frustrated and I'm sort of acknowledging of the fact that you can't win every game. And if you can't win, the second best is, is not losing and the consolation prize is not letting any goals in. So... You know, we are where we are. I think we've just got to pick ourselves up and go forward. Nick, you know, from your perspective, obviously, um, you know, the defensive side, I think kind of to Clayton's point, gets pushed aside because of how kind of ineffective maybe we've just looked up front. Yeah, so I think, you know, just for a little bit of context here, if you think back to 2015, 16, which I think everyone hates to do, but we, I think we have to for historical context, uh, you know, the, the big problem with our team, you know, was a really narrow kind of style up front that, that led to a lot of blown opportunities on counterattacks and then a really leaky defense at the back. Um, the, the defense part is, you know, you you look at the the Liverpool City game today, and if you haven't watched it, I really encourage you to watch it. It was a phenomenal game of football, but it was it ended four three. Neither one of Liverpool or City play that open against us because they know that we have the defensive uh, solidity and fortitude uh, to hit them on the counter immediately and not allow a lot of those back channel passes to roll through. Our defense is pretty great, um, you know, and and 
I, you know, I think that that's really hard to, it's hard to take positives out of that. You know, I, I think there are fans out there who want to be like Liverpool and, and leak three, but score four because it's a little bit more exciting. Uh, you know, I think the clean sheet deal is, is really important. And at the beginning of the season, as we were complaining about the lack of clean sheets, it was like the only thing that we were talking about. Now it's like, okay, you know, I think we can figure out how to score a couple of goals, but the defense locking in against some of these higher powered uh, offenses that are coming up in the, in the next month or two is really, really important. So I, I think it's a positive. I mean, it's not scoring us goals, but I mean, I think you have to kind of look at that and be okay with it for right now. Dan, you know, um, I, I guess, you know, from your standpoint, any any kind of side you want to take on this or maybe a, a story? <laughs> a story, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dan, tell us a story. A story. Uh, so there was a moment in, in January after a run of fixtures with the scoreless moments and, and solemn heads hanging, hanging down where uh, we have to look up. And I think to the point that Nick made, realize that the, the defense has held strong. And I would actually say more critically, even, you know, there have been some moments where we've, we've given away a little, where they've had some shots on target. Uh, Courtois has performed uh, exceptionally. Uh, given the amount of kind of influence or the the attack that has kind of been peppered or barraged at him, uh, I know yesterday there were not many actual shots on target, but the the shots that did come his way uh, and have come his way the past couple of matches have been uh, handled pretty well outside of some uh, like the Bellerin goal was just you know kind of unquestionably terrible. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think there's there are positives. It's uh, you just have to take a moment, take a day step away from social media, reflect, and, uh, and come back to it fresh. And it's, uh, it's not all doom and gloom. All right. Well, before we get into our match review, um, Nick, again, just in case they missed it before, some really exciting news about our partnership with World Soccer Shop and how all of our listeners can benefit from it. Correct. So we are, uh, we've started our promo code. Um, now, this is good through March 31st. Uh, and, and the really cool part about this is just using the London pod code on worldsoccershop.com gets you 10% off your order. So if you're thinking about, Hey, you know, I'm traveling to London with these guys, uh, at, at the end of March and I need some cool merch, um, to, to kind of help me look the part along the way. This is a really easy way to do that. And 10% off your order, um, while it may not seem like a massive number, like 50% can still help you know, pay for a lot of shipping or pay for, um, you know, some customization, uh, that you want to put on your shirt. So there's a lot of cool things you can do here. Go to worldsoccershop.com, use the code London pod and get 10% off your order. Yeah. I really like that idea of essentially think of it as almost free customization, uh, on us. So check that out. Uh, but let's get into it, right? So Leicester city was the most recent opponent in the premier league. Uh, we're over at Stanford bridge. It was this past Saturday, January 12th. It was a scoreless draw as I'm sure, you know, because that is the big talking point, uh, lately from Chelsea. Uh, we actually did have correct score predictions. Unbelievably. Uh, we had two yeah, three people or, or profits. Honestly, I'm not sure, but Philip on Facebook said zero, zero. And then responded after the match saying, sometimes I hate being right. Um, Ugo uh, put with Morata, if Morata plays, it'll be a goalless draw. He said, if Morata doesn't play, it'll be a 3-1 win, which is very harsh, very salty. But 
also correct. And then Aldemaro uh, said this, I see a draw in the neighborhood of 0011. I don't foresee anyone convincing themselves, or I don't see anyone covering themselves in glory, but I certainly hope Chelsea find a way. I will say that if we go 3-5-2, we are almost guaranteed another heavy drinking trip down the what's going on here lane. Uh, Dan, if that isn't the most prophetic prediction you've ever seen, I don't know what else he could have done besides naming the starting 11. Yeah, I really hope these people uh, went online uh, to a sports book, went yep. to uh, their local uh, establishment or yep. maybe their bookie, because if they didn't, um, I mean, these are like the people who predicted Bitcoin was actually going to be like a legitimate, you know, cryptocurrency and be worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. So um, crazy, absolutely shocking. Um. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Let's go ahead. Let's do the lineup real quick, Dan, and then we've got a lot to talk about. So back to the three five one one or three five two, depending on how you kind of want to split that one. Yeah, we had Courtois, Asplaqueta, Cahill, uh, but not for so long. He did have to get substituted out for injury. Uh, Rudiger, Moses, Fabregas, Conte, Bakayoko, Marcus Alonso, Eden Hazard, and Morata. So the three-five-two or the three-five-one-one. Uh, we'll see on the bench with uh, David Zabacosta, David Luiz, Andreas Christensen, who got brought in pretty early on due to Cahill coming off injured. William, Pedro, and Mishi. And, and I think what struck me initially with that lineup, and you know, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, Clayton, is the fact that there were really no additional you know midfield options like a a drink water or uh, and padu or someone who could potentially you know be brought in for that and it really seemed like the only option at any point in the match was going to be to go to the 3-4-3 with having pedro and william on there it's really perceptive actually because um if we're looking for problems at the moment i in my um perception is is the midfield isn't working i don't know why Drinkwater wasn't playing yesterday i don't know why he wasn't on the bench um i i'm happy that um antonio wants to give bakayoko more game time to to try and get him into some sort of form because he isn't in that um but the midfield just didn't work yesterday um i think the only option that he could have had was to bring louise but i I'm hearing that there is that there's no love loss between those two, and I, I think that sadly Louise will go this transfer window. Um, but yeah, that that's I wasn't surprised by the lineup. Um, but yeah, well, I, I I agree with you. Like I think as we look at this match as a whole, right, zero zero, you know, could you know could have easily been a loss. Um, you know, with the way that uh, Lester came to play, you know. I think the midfield is where we are. Uh, we're losing offensive spark. You know, I, I obviously Hazard and Murata, and you know, even your your William Pedro combo isn't performing at a top level right now. You know, there's no question about that. However, uh, if you look at the play, and and I, you know, I throw Drinkwater into this mix too. If you look at the play of Drinkwater and Bakayoko and and Golo Kante yesterday, who I don't I don't think had his best game as a Chelsea player, and Fabregas, those guys are not performing in the way that I think Antonio Conte expects them to perform. There's been a lot of turnover in midfield, been a lot of sloppy passing. There's been no connection, uh, no kind of uh, you know sync up between Cesc Fabregas and Morata like he used to have with Diego. Uh, I think there is there is a significant 
there's a significant gap right now, and it is happening in what last season was our strength. You know, I think our midfield, you know, possibly carried us a lot of the season. Uh, this year, it is not. It's not performing. I think there is a significant gap when we play this three-five-two of who's supposed to run forward and and you know create a little bit of link-up play with with the front end. You know, Angola Conte just seems to be trying to do it all himself, uh, which isn't, you know, that can't possibly be the answer. He's just one guy. He's a superhuman, but he's just one guy. And, you know, I think that Cesc Fabregas is, uh, you know, for, for all of his amazing ability uh, in the last few weeks has, has looked really frustrated and, and you know, not, not on the top of his game. So, you know, I think Clayton makes a significant point here that, Yes, Murata is kind of, you know right now the the whipping boy, and yes, Bakayoko is another whipping boy, uh, you know for for the team, you know. But the, I think the the link up between the midfield and and the front three or two is where we are losing a significant offensive spark right now, Dan. I I would agree, and you know, not 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 to you know kumbaya and agree on everything that we talk about, but I think it's you know easy to see some of the. The opportunities, especially when, you know, I think for the first half of the, the match yesterday specifically, you know, we succeed, you know, um, seeded so much possession initially and got pinned so far back. And, you know, you, it, it seemed like we really had lined up defensively to stop the pace of, of Mares, who really was, uh, for the most part, playing out of his skin yesterday and, and trying to. Uh, will his side to victory? Some some wonderful crosses, some some great turnaround and twist, and and he really was trying to uh, you know shred Alonzo uh, quicker than like a you know a Ponzi scheme shredding their paperwork. It, it was embarrassingly bad, um, but it, I think it, it's just there, there's there's a lot of things to poke right now, and, and there's a lot of opportunity within the squad, and I, I think you're also seeing the impact of having to play so many successive games in such short time windows with limited rotation, which probably begs a larger question into uh, where, where can the rotation occur, which, which youth, youth players should be rotated in, and can we potentially get to a point where maybe it's you know not obstinance that's preventing maybe some, some rotation of those players in, uh, or maybe trying to make a point that, more larger name talent is required and which is not i think necessarily going to be what the board will will do for conte so tough stuff brandon well i mean look the way i the way i kind of actually i'm going to go against it a little bit because when i watched this match yesterday um we obviously we're getting a ton of questions um about when are we going to score so you've got Eric at Chelsea, Eric is saying our problem is up top and it starts with Murata. He lacks goals. He jogs everywhere. Uh, Daniel saying, when is the last time you guys celebrated a goal? Um, Max Applebaum saying, what is wrong with Murata? Quick shot. What's the over under on when we will actually score a goal again? To me, if you look at this, though, we get a lot of possession passing around the top of their box. And that's because teams like Leicester will defend with eight or nine people in their box. Like, Unless we hit someone on the break, 
we don't have a chance because we can get it out wide and try to cross a ball into the box to Murata, who is really our only target in there. So it's one against three or four. And then we try to play these balls on the ground, but there's way too many defenders in the way for it to ever get anywhere. So to me, it's like we saw quite a few shots from outside the box, including N'Golo Kante, including Hazard and Pedro and even William and obviously Moses's last kick of the game, essentially. But the point is that when teams defend with eight or nine, like you can't break that down. You can't break that down in the box. Um, and, and so to me, it's a matter of even teams like Arsenal will play so defensive that if we can't make them run backwards to their goal, if they get set up in a block, I don't. I genuinely don't know what to do. Like sometimes you can't change a way a team plays. So they are completely, they gave up everything to defend like, you know, essentially the park the bus model like we've done in Champions League and other matches when we were the underdog. And I don't know what it is besides maybe putting another big target guy in there, but how do you cross hold, it in like hold with eight? Okay. Can I can I can I counter this though? Like, how do other teams do it? You know, Manchester City, Liverpool. I watched today. Now, neither one of them parks the bus by any means. But like in you know against other competition, when United tried to park the bus against City, they found a way around it. You know, even with a you know two banks of four. You know, like and I'm sure Clayton has seen this too. How do other teams? Why why do we have you know what I what I think are some phenomenal players? Uh, you know, N'Golo Kante specifically, Hedden Hazard specifically, Murata specifically. I think these were all phenomenal players. Why can't we break down opposition defenses that are, are more stubborn than not? Like the, these guys in training, you know, if, if, you, if you think of a one on, you know, a, a top on top situation, Clayton, these guys go against each other in training all the time. And you would assume, you know, best on best that th it's probably a, a hard uh, kind of scenario to to go against. So I'm I'm I guess I'm a little bit confused as to why the offense City have struggled struggling. against likes of Palace. Liverpool have drawn so many terrible opponents. Like it's not just exclusive to Chelsea. Even the top teams out there, United, we've seen them drop points as well. So again, I would like to hear Clayton. I just think that like it's not all it's not I'm not putting all the blame all away from us, but I can see that there's like significant difficulty above and beyond a normal match. And it is Conte's problem to figure out, absolutely, because what we're doing isn't always working, but at the same time, like the the hill we have to climb is is massive. Yeah, it's like I said before, uh, what's basically happening is is that we've been worked out. So that's that's the main problem is the fact that teams, you know, that you would anticipate would to be quotes, bigger teams, teams like Arsenal. Um, Wenger has worked out a way of playing against us and he just packs the midfield and he packs the defense and we are struggling to break that down. So in, you know, some of the, the games, if you think about the game that we played against Arsenal um, last week, the, the nil nil, we had a fantastic chance just before half time. Fabregas tame tame header. You know, he could have either headed it somewhere else or headed it sideways and there was somebody waiting to come in to score. And there were a couple of other chances in the second half. Um Christensen missed two open yeah. goals. So we are getting the opportunities to break them down. But what is not happening is that we're not being clinical. Now yesterday was different. Yesterday was different because 
in the first half, we were we were on the back foot. And we were on the back foot because we were completely overrun in midfield. When you're being overrun in midfield, unfortunately, Sesk is just not the person you want there because it bypasses him and he's not there because of that. So whether you say, Mr. Manager, why, you know, why didn't you anticipate that or why didn't you do something about it sooner? That's, you know, that's a different, that's a different conversation. But you're entirely right. I mean, it is very, very difficult. Now, you mentioned the Liverpool Man City game today. And I was actually thinking when watching that, how many times did Liverpool have to face 10 men in front of them? They didn't because Man City don't play that way. When Man City attacked, they basically had to face two banks of four. But they got through. Why did they get through? They got through on two scrappy goals in the second half. Really scrappy goals. The ball's not, ball's not running for us. Uh, our best player is not playing very well at the moment. Whether he's injured or not, I've got no idea. Um, you've got a forward who's got no confidence whatsoever, who is basically getting no service. Now, whether you say, do you make your own service by, you know, mixing things up with a back four? I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, one of the things that's happened is Morata goes to ground too easily. So we lose momentum a lot of the time rather than try and stay on his feet and try and hold on to the ball. And the other thing um, that I think is a, a real problem is that Victor Moses is not taking on his man. He's I would agree. Getting, he's not getting crosses in. And if you're playing a style of football that depends on wing backs, and one of those wing backs is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, you're not going to create anything. And and that's you know, it's a combination of all of those things at the moment. And it's just not happening for us. Um, I, I totally agree. Can I can I quickly make a comment on that? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you so much that yesterday it seemed like we were playing some sort of four four two, and what I mean by that is Vic was playing so defensively, and and again, not like you said, not taking on any of his, uh, de- you know, opposite defenders, not really creating anything whatsoever. Um, when when the ball got to him, it was so stagnant. I think it basically shifted. I think we 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 essentially shifted into a four four two because he was playing so defensively and Alonso was getting so far forward that he was kind of like the of the opposite kind of um, end of that. So we kind of the whole field was kind of played diagonally if you think about it because there was no threat when the ball got out to Vic. It was you know back pass to to Willian or you know back pass all the way back to the midfield to to Conte, and so that creates a sense that, you know, if, if you're Leicester City, uh, Dan, that you can double uh, or, or triple Hazard or double um, uh, Murata or, or get out a little bit further on Alonso because you're not really scared of Victor right now because he's not playing that well. Um, and so I, I think it just changes the entire dynamic of our team. If you think about how the 3-5-2 the or the 3-4-3 three, three is supposed to play, you know, it's supposed to be wingbacks attacking and, and taking on people, getting in behind, and then a midfield kind of eventually pushing up, and there's a, a sort of control about the whole deal. And it's super disjointed right now. And and that's that's really what I wanted to add there, uh, Clayton. Yeah, no, I listen, I, I think that part of the well, – I know we're going to come on to talk about the manager shortly – but you do need um, – there, there's, a, there's a fantastic quote um, 
Albert Einstein, who obviously I'm very keen to follow at all times, um, it, the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing the same way and expecting a different result. And I'm not saying our manager's insane, but we have to change things. We have to play two up front every now and again. We have to do something different. The reason we won the league last year, apart from the, the fact that we played less games than our, our major rivals, was the fact that we just changed things and people couldn't work it out. People couldn't cope with it. Now, people have worked it out and people can cope with it. And so we've got to do something different. And uh, I, d I don't know what you think, Brandon, but but that that's that's what I think at the moment. It's definitely a part of the equation for sure. You know, the fact that, um, you know, Chelsea can be a bit predictable at times. Last year, though, we were doing it so well that it didn't matter. Right. And that we would always we could beat you by playing our own game. And uh, unfortunately, it hasn't really come off this season as much as we've liked. Um, but, uh, you know, we can go ahead and transition it because obviously Conte is a big part of everything, right? As far as uh, how the team sets up, you know, the formation, the lineups and everything. And there's starting to be some actual unhappiness with Conte finally. And I, I don't mean the Conte out hashtag gang from last season or even this summer. Uh, we actually got this message uh, on Patreon from Mark. Uh, so I want to use it to kind of start the conversation. He says, uh, hey, guys, y'all rock. Let's talk Conte. Um, Conte, apologize. I'm a bit tired of his antics. I don't know what's up with his indecisiveness about being at Chelsea, but I don't think the owner is putting any unrealistic pressure on him. I think he's a grown man child at times and gets pissed off when he doesn't get what he wants. What's left for him? He's coached at Juve. The only other place to go is PSG. If he wants to go, let him. He's playing games with the board and I'm tired of it. Thoughts or am I going crazy? Um... That's a pretty powerful one, Dan, uh, as far as someone saying, you know, obviously taking very much the approach that club is bigger than the manager and any player. We did promise that it would be a commentary charged episode. So uh, Mark helping us live up to those expectations. I think that, you know, ultimately, I think Conte has been, been a brilliant manager for us. I think the there's multiple issues that are causing, you know, this moment of uh, not crisis crisis is not the word but a difficult patch of performances you know fixture congestion uh, players who are kind of out of either fitness or out of form and you know i think that frustration when you look up at the top of the league table and you know that there is almost no way that you're going to reach that summit again for someone who w would, I think we'd all kind of describe as a serial winner. It has to be a, a demotivating factor. And if we look back to, I think it was in December or late November where, you know, he Conte had gotten to the press conference and talked about how really that the title race was over. And I, I think the, men the mentality shift that occurred there, I think, I don't know. Again, I don't like to ascribe the the feeling towards the players, but I think the general attitude has been just you know we need to finish top four, and I generally feel that there's almost a blasé kind of attitude where you know ultimately we'll be able to draw or win enough games, run some amongst the right type of teams to get the required point total to to stay in the top four. I don't know, Nick, if you kind of feel a, a different way. I mean, I think that, you know, Conte has 
you know, enhanced his CV, you know, exceptionally by being at Chelsea. And I, I think he would definitely be a target for managers of clubs where they are not uh, austerity programs, uh, as he might say. So, look, I, I understand Mark's um, feelings here. And, and I think that because we live in an age where everything gets broadcast in the media, even things that the club or the manager or the players don't want out there, uh, i.e. contract talks, i.e. transfer you know, stuff, like I, I think there are a lot of things 15 years ago that made managing a club like Chelsea a little easier, um, if not you know, a little bit more manageable. I think that Antonio Conte uh, is pretty single-minded. I think he wants to win more than anything. And the only thing that matters to him is checking the boxes along the way to ensure that that happens. Because I believe he gives Chelsea an advantage that only uh, Pep at City gives another team in the Premier League. I think he is that good and that tactically... Uh, strong and and that motivated and and that savvy like I I truly love him like I loved 2007 to that or 2006 2007 Jose Mourinho like that's how great I think this dude is um now I understand why Mark is frustrated there's so much stuff out there in in the press about you know and some of it he does himself you know a little he has a little bit you know I know he won't want to ever hear this, but he has a little bit of Mourinho in him uh, when it comes to giving the board messages. And I think you guys all know what I mean by that. Uh, now, I think that Real Madrid would have him in a heartbeat. I think that Barcelona would have him in a heartbeat. I think that PSG would easily take him. I think you look around the landscape of coaching and while there are only a few notches to go up, you know, for him, uh, I don't doubt that he will move on from Chelsea at some point. I don't I don't want that to happen. I think that he is too good for Chelsea just to let him go and and not come to some sort of compromise with him. But it's it's frustrating because to me it's only partly his fault, right? And and you know, I think because the board right now has so much upheaval, they just hired a new CEO. They're, you know, they're working through I think what uh, Dan Levine described last week as a as a full transfer policy, Clayton, that this has become a really uh, fluid uh, situation for a, a guy in Conte who's probably a lot a lot more locked up and tight on on details. I think it's really sad. Um, I I'm a bit like you. Um, he is the best manager we've had since. Um, Jose version one. He is fantastic. What he did last year was amazing. Um, but he is now picking fights for the sake of picking fights. Now he's a, he's a big boy. He's grown up. Um, he's worked for huge clubs. He knows what goes on in those clubs. If he is basically having a frustrating time because the club is not, um, buying the players that he wants, then that's hard luck, you know, and and you've just got to get on with it or you've got to go. You can't keep moaning, which is what he's doing. Um, to say that the club is basically running on, you know, an austerity basis when they break their transfer record in the previous summer 
is incorrect. Now, the fact that they wouldn't pay 80 million pounds or euros or whatever it was for Sandro, um, the club have got a history of not doing that. Uh, they, they, they basically lost out on a few players because they, they didn't want to have the mickey taken out of them by other clubs. And I'm, I'm just part of this malaise at the moment, I think is caused by Conte's demeanour. Now, whether his demeanour is, is the same when he's in training, um, when he's in the dressing room, I don't know. None of us know. Um, but you can't avoid the fact that when you look at those players out on the pitch now as to when you looked at those players out on the pitch three months ago, there, there's something's changed, something's different. Um, there was no spark yesterday. There, there's There's nothing igniting the players out there whereas there was a couple of months ago they seem much more involved and whether this drifts down to Conte I don't know but final point I'll make is that if we lose this guy I don't care who comes in this is this is one of the best managers in the world who's who's not old yeah who's who's just going to get better and we should do everything we can to keep hold of him but you know as as any employer if, if one of your best employees just wants something you can't give them or you don't want to give them, you don't think it's in the best interest to give them that and they just keep playing up, what are you going to do? You're going to fall out and they're going to go. So this is, this is where I can see this going, Dan. It's, uh, it's not good. Uh, can I quickly make a point to just on the landscape of world football? Uh, yes, Neymar... You know, that, that transfer record is absurd. And yes, I'm sure that will be broken again by some nobody player. Um, yeah, whatever. Like, you, you can you can pick a couple of these guys, right? I think that we are, uh, in the next five years, uh, no matter how much money is poured in by TV, no matter how much money is poured in by sponsors or anything else, I think we are about to reach the limit of what clubs are going to pay for players. Because right now it's kind of a zero sum game, right? Like you're you're buying a player, you're giving him you know absurd money a week, um, and and you are expecting you know kind of the world from these guys, and and expecting to reap those rewards through all of the you know the sponsor TV, all that other extra revenue that you can generate for yourself, but. Clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid and, you know, PSG and all of these guys uh, are, you know, outside of Manchester United, who I think, you know, could continue to buy billion dollar players if they wanted to because they are a publicly traded company. Okay, that is so much different than being owned by a country or whatever. I think that there is going to be a limit to what player to what uh, clubs are going to spend on players. I'm not saying that that is going to, you know, completely give Chelsea some sort of advantage or that, you know, Chelsea might not, you know, be a part of that elite crew in 5 years if if, you know, uh, you know, moves don't go right under this quote-unquote austerity program, uh, which it doesn't exist. But I I don't I don't feel like Antonio Conte even if he leaves and, you know, his 5 years at Barcelona are the best 5 years, uh, you know, in the in the club's history and they're spending record amounts of money. I just don't feel like this is going to continue forever. It, it has to reach a tipping point and it has to normalize just like every other thing does. You know, if the housing market in the United States reaches a breaking point, then it then it normalizes, right? E- either high or low. So I, I just feel, you know, basic economic principle will tell you that this will not continue because 
to me the the you know the value that you get on a Neymar is so incredible. That's one guy that you're gonna you know reap some sort of extra reward from winning the league. You know all sorts of TV rights and whatever image rights and things. This can't continue. I'm not saying that Chelsea's going to benefit from it again, but Dan, that's just how I feel about it. And hopefully Antonio Conte realizes that at some point too. I think the the word that I would use, and if you haven't read um, our friend Joe Tweed's excellent piece uh, about, you know, kind of the current state and opportunity is it almost seems like we're heading towards a point of, of incompatibility of manager wants and desires and, club desires and how these kind of interface from a player and personnel situation. And as much as I would love for, you know, Conte to be awarded and given everything he wants, whether it be uh, players, funds, uh, autonomy to move forward and, you know, for the, the club to fully back it, it definitely seems like, you know, they would like us to, you know, have more, Christensen's rising into the ranks where it was a younger player that we acquired for a lower fee on lower wages. Um, and, and not to say that that's a bad thing, you know, running a club with a wonderful young developed talent is an excellent thing to do so that, and I think as Joe points out, you can go out and buy the one superstar player who demands and requires and necessitates a large transfer fee and a large wage sum total, and that you balance it appropriately versus buying uh, overpriced, uh, you know, squad players um, in in that scenario. And I think that that is probably the biggest tipping point moment here. Is at the end of this season, if the incompatibility is not. Uh, able to be mended in some way, shape, or form, uh, it, you know, I think we'll have to go look for not necessarily the best manager available, but a manager for which you know, we, we are compatible with if the club has kind of changed directions and wants to do things differently. And it will be sad because I think every fan and, and supporter sees that there is a undeniable talent and gift Antonio Conte has for being able to will aside forward and the, the 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 lengths of that will has been absolutely tested to the the extreme of that this season to a point where he, he does need reinforcements uh, but i think the club would look at it and say well you also have uh, you know players like Ampadu, hudson adoy who could be coming in dujon sterling uh, who could offer some value uh, that are not getting the chances maybe necessarily in games like uh, norwich or uh, you know, or early FA Cup matches, and I think there's a lot to be done and dealt with. And uh, you know, unlike the ESPN hit job piece on the the Patriots about uh, fractures between uh, ownership coaches and players, hit, hit uh, job <laughs> piece, Jesus. Uh, uh. There there might be some stuff that has to be worked out between uh, you know all three entities at Chelsea to try to move things forward uh, and and hopefully it can be restored and, and rebuilt and, and move forward but it looks less and less likely with every passing match and day which is I think the, the saddest end and uh, the sequel to palpable discord uh, I don't know what the title would be at Clayton but I would be looking forward to it I'm really pissed off that would that be a good title <laughs> Return of the Discord. Yeah, it could be Powerful Discord too. No, it's 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 a it's a book that's gonna be yeah. It, 
It's coming. It's coming. I think the whole thing about this, which is so depressing, is the inevitability of it. You know, because the whole stadium, the whole group of fans want this man to stay. The whole everybody wants this man to be happy and everybody wants this man to be our manager. And I just can't see it. I just can't see at the end of this season. I can't see it for whatever reason. We, you know, it's it it, it it's just got this horrible inevitability about it. I well, I just feel and, and final thing on this, Brandon. Then we can move it along. I I feel like he he came in last year with the goal of top four. You know, we we went to the preseason. We watched his his team train. We watched some of the. Uh, feelings around the club, and then we, you know, we heard directly from Cesar Spilicueta, Matt Miazga, and formerly Michael Amanalo um, about how ridiculously tough this guy was on his team. They were doing two days; they were getting everything up together. You know that you could tell there was a form, uh, a, a team forming within a lot of fractured parts from the previous uh, manager, and. You know, throughout the season, we saw this team gel and get better, and everybody was, you know, a part of it. Even even Diego's up and down bullshit last year. You know, he he came through, and and you know, I think Antonio Conte was kind of seen as this dream weaver. Uh, he you know uh, took the island of misfit toys and made them whole again, and you know, obviously won the league, and I think overperformed, outperformed his contract, outperformed his expectations, and I think that. Because of his personality, I think he expected that that same sort of overperformance to return to him. Now, I've done this, you know. If I'm Antonio Conte, I've done this with parts that you know no one thought I could do it with in my first season, and now I expect the club to return to me a squad that I think is worthy of winning the Champions League. And I don't believe he ever got off on the right foot there. And there's obviously a fluid situation with who's really in charge and what they're really doing, what the plan is, you know. And and I think there's a lot of a lot of gray area which he does not perform well with. Uh, so it's a bummer because I, I I feel like he he feels like he's owed something which might not be the right feeling, uh, but you know certainly has outperformed our expectations. And and like Clayton said, Brandon, I love this man and I hope he stays. For sure. I mean, I think that there needs to be some semblance of balance because from my perspective, when you have, you know, the best academy in the, in the country, there's got to be some better way to utilize that outside of, you know, loans and making money. But that is an exact science that hasn't been figured out and I can accept that. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Obviously, uh, Dan, we did a man of the match poll. It wasn't very optimistic, understandably so. Um, you know, if you add up all of the three of the four <laughs> options being Courtois, I'd say he's an overwhelming winner. Well, it was Courtois. Yeah, just Courtois. He's the only option. And then the last one was maybe Aspilicueta too. So, yeah, there, there, there's 19% of the people who went for Aspilicueta and everybody else went for Courtois, which I think is, is very fair. That's what we call a leading question. Uh, so yeah, we, yeah. we are not in a court of law, so we don't have to worry about uh, an objection to it. Valid. Not a lot of options, unfortunately, from yesterday. Uh, as it stands before the Manchester United-Stoke match on Monday, uh, City 
lost for the first time in a really long time to Liverpool today. Uh, actually, not a great result for Chelsea, dumping us down to fourth, Liverpool up to third, United in second, City in first. Um, but us, Liverpool, and United are all on 47 points. So as long as United don't lose, they will um, go above all of us. Uh, Tottenham on uh, 44 points in fifth, Arsenal 39 on sixth. And they lost today actually to Bournemouth so um, they're definitely starting to fall away I'd say from from the pack a little bit so we'll have to borrow the Eddie Howe script for beating Arsenal uh, for our next League Cup match seriously Uh, but all right well with that being said let's go ahead and move on to the social media questions Uh, but real quick um, Dan there are new black Chelsea training jerseys gear on World Soccer Shop yeah, a couple of the uh, different bits of attire that are available. Got that nice little Carabao logo on there, too, so you can be energized uh, throughout your training session. Uh, maybe it works through osmosis. I don't know. But they're all available right now on worldsoccershop.com. Don't forget to co- use the code LONDONPOD, one word, uh, to get that nice little discount, too, through uh, the end of March. All right, well, let's go ahead. Social media questions time. Uh, the first one, Barkley versus Bakioko. Obviously, this is going to be hype, like hypotheticals until we actually see Barkley get in. Um, but at the Gaspo saying, does Baka make the bench with Ross Barkley coming in? Is Bakayoko too expensive to send to Holland? Time to start wow. inter- integrating U23 team players. Does Murata have balance? Just a lot of stuff. All right, so let's keep it specific to those two, Barkley and Bakayoko. Uh, and then Noombufu on Instagram saying, to be fair, the excitement factor is going up consistently in these nil-nil draws. Went from a snooze fest at Norwich to back and forth against Arsenal to a tense but exciting match today. Real question, though, what is Bakayoko? Two awful shots later in the match in the second have nearly led me to concussing myself. Um, that's a that's an extreme reaction. Oh. I think that we should be careful. Um, All right. But uh, Nick from the Bakioko Barkley uh, comparison, uh, what are your thoughts? Who knows? Like I, I so look, Bakioko has been uh, uh, bad. Uh, you know, well, I don't know what else you want me to say. Uh, he has been lost. You know, his best role at Chelsea that I've seen him play in is the 3-4-3 with N'Golo Kante where he knows his position and is mentally in, engaged the entire game. He is not a shooter. We know that. Um, I don't know how much work it would take for him to become a, a reasonable shooter uh, from outside the box, but it's not there right now, so we know that about him. We know that he gets in trouble by hanging on to the ball too long, whereas Nemanja Matic would be able to stave people off for, for a while. Uh, look, he he just isn't. He's not the finished article, and and he's not going to be this year. So, uh, I I can't. You know, I know he was on a lot of money, and I think people just have to get over it. Uh, that he is not the guy that we thought he was going to be this year. Doesn't mean he can't be that guy next year or the year after. It doesn't mean that you know he won't show improvement as we edge towards the end of the year. But but guys, I would just look. I would stop complaining about him. Okay, I, I think. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the atmosphere at, at the ground a little bit later, but I, I don't think it helps, um, you know, and I, I don't think, you know, tweeting at him uh, and, and saying all sorts of negative stuff is the right way to go with this guy. I think he needs to be built up. Uh, I think he needs confidence. I don't know who Ross Barkley is going to be because we haven't seen him play um, for a while and we, we haven't seen him play at Chelsea yet. So, like, 
to to anoint Ross Barkley on the opposite side with too much praise when we don't know who the hell he's going to be either, I think it's really, really dumb. So, yes, Bakayoko's been bad. Uh, no, we don't know who Barkley's going to be. I think like Drinkwater has a major opportunity here in this in this midfield if we play a two or a three to solidify his place and not even worry about those other two. But he has to play well, and he hasn't really played well either. Uh, so this is a major thing, Clayton, that is going to continue to develop. But I, I'm just kind of – I think we, we repeat this every week, and I am so bored of it now. I know that your listeners um, listen to this fabulous podcast for thoughts on the club and major insights. Well, I'm going to give you an insight which is not major or particularly startling. But since Frank Lampard left, we haven't replaced his goals and several times this season, Backer has got into fantastic positions and hasn't been able to finish the chances. I can think of Man United at home, uh, Roma away, and a couple of other things. The one thing, if we get the Ross Barkley, and let's, everybody's got to remember that this guy has become brilliant by not doing anything. You know, <laughs> right, because, right. <laughs> because he's, you know, he hasn't had to do anything. He is the second coming. He's, you know, the poor guy hasn't played for five months or maybe longer. So let's just sort of rein it in there. But the, the, the point is that getting on backers back is really not going to help. Um, he's underperformed. Having seen him this season, I have absolutely no idea where he's supposed to be playing or what his best position is. I had thought that we were going to get a driving midfield player, which is what we desperately need. Kante does one thing, but he needs somebody else to support him. And the guy is in a trough at the moment. He's got no confidence and he's not going to get any better with the crowd getting on his back. So I think we'll see Barkley on Wednesday, whether he'll start or not. I don't know. Um, it's going to be a tough ask because he's not going to be particularly fit. But the one thing I know about Ross Barkley is he knows how to score. And if we can get him into the side and if we can get him between now and the end of the season, maybe getting five, six goals from midfield to help out an attack, which is not firing at the moment, then, yeah, I think he needs to be given a chance, but I also think that the crowd, the fans need to give Backer a chance as well. Um, but as I said, he's not helping himself and, and unfortunately he's, he's not he's not doing brilliantly at the moment. So the next one up that we got were a lot of questions about the formation uh, at and Nathan Allen 20, Polly Cracker on Instagram, Kieran, Kieran Sim on Instagram and BGN underscore junior. You know, they're saying, why did we change our 3-4-3 formation? Why do we not play 3-4-3 at home and 3-5-1-1 away? Um, why don't we have the right players to, the, you know, for the board to, to play these formations? We need better wingers and, and another striker. I mean, to me, it really just comes down to, I, I honestly don't say, think in the last few few weeks, whether we play a 3-5-1-1 or 3-4-3, Dan, to me... Either way, it's not clicking. It's clearly something bigger at this point than a simple switch. And so I think that we have to try to dig deeper because a formation change is an easy thing. And it's easy because it's very visual and you can see 
if Chelsea are in a different formation, oh, they're trying something different. They're trying to make it better. But to me, I think it's a lot more of like the style and the execution of the formation or even being clinical, like Clayton said earlier, in front of goal. But to me, like I, I just think that we're kind of relying on the formation change just way too much at this point. That one, that makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at an opportunity for uh, you know Hazard, who played well below his his level uh, in this particular match that we're we're talking about today with Leicester, uh, a couple of just very odd passes uh, that really did not connect with the right person or uh, connected first and foremost with with a defender, uh, and then you don't have Morata scoring, and so regardless of the formation, I think that you choose right now, uh, it's not going to be the resolve you know, or the the element that makes it better and so i think there's an opportunity to really take a step back and look at uh you know is, is two-man midfield better if you do do two who do you want them to be the starting players if you you know want to maybe rotate out like a zapacosta in for a moses because of the you know struggling uh, you know, action that he's had with some of the crossing pieces it's it's tough it's not just and i think you hit the nail on the head brandon it's not just the formation there there's more to it than that and i think it would be very easy to say well let's just change shape but that's not going to do it well we'll have to see kind of what happens on that i mean um yeah, I, I do think really quick, really quick on this. I think the the polycracker comment is a little, a little enlightening to me because uh, you know whereas Hazard played on the left of the three four three last year, we haven't played a three four three with him uh, in recent memory um, with either William or Pedro on the other side, and and maybe that's a way to to kind of compromise a little bit. You know, let's pretend that Drinkwater and Conte are in the middle and. You know, we do end up signing some sort of reinforcement on the left uh, wing side so that Alonzo doesn't have to bake in every match. Like, this is uh, a feature that could be useful moving forward, and and maybe that's part of the equation. Um, All right. Well, you know, I think that the next one, which will be interesting, especially with Clayton on the podcast, is there, there were some very light rumors linking... Uh, Chelsea and Dortmund, the fact that they were talking. And while it was most likely probably about Aubameyang, um, us being excitable Americans thought, hey, you know, maybe it's Christian Pulisic, our American wonder kid. So uh, Dan put out a tweet and says, if, in parentheses, and if that's a big if, Chelsea are actually talking to Dortmund. Let's just say it's about Christian Pulisic. Here's a couple of questions we have. One, would you want him at Chelsea? Two, how much do you think he'd cost? And three, would we beat out Liverpool United for him? So just for the sake of fun, Clayton, um, let's just go around. And, and I kind of want to get your opinion because obviously we are massively biased and a lot of our audience out there are Americans as well. Um, but do you think that Chelsea would want him? Uh, he can he can play like a 4-2-3-1 in that attacking three. Um, you know, he's very young, has high potential. Uh, he probably costs a lot of money because Dortmund only really seemed to sell people for about three or four times what their, you know, current market value is. So what do you think about him? Uh, I think he'd be a vast improvement to our striking force. Um, but to be perfectly honest, Andy Carroll would be a vast improvement to our current striking force. <laughs> um, oh, it, jo- joking aside, I mean, it, it, this guy's something special. Um uh, might be absolute heresy, but at the moment, I think one of the problems is the fact that people that we approach 
who approaches him? Do the club approach him or do the man, you know, does the manager say, I want him? I'm not sure, having seen the way Conte's played over the last couple of years, that this is a Conte-type player. Um, do I want him at Chelsea? Yes, I'd love him at cost, uh, Chelsea. How much do you think he'd cost? He'd cost more than the club would actually willing to pay for him. That, that sadly, is, is where it seems we are at as a club at the moment. Um, Dortmund sell him now? Not sure. Um, I, 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 would we be out Liverpool and United for him? Interesting. Um, I don't know, to be perfectly honest. Um, what have we got to offer him? We've got to offer him London. Uh, we've got to offer him a big wage, but Liverpool, I don't know. United probably could offer him more wages-wise. It's where he wants to go and where he wants to be. Um, I don't think it would be difficult to think that Liverpool, United, Chelsea will all be in the Champions League next year. But it's a it's a tough call. Um, I mean, I don't know what you guys know about his personal life. Is is he married? Is he going to want to come to London? Uh, would he enjoy life over here? I honestly don't know. I'm, I, I think that um, is it Abby Young or was he? I can't never pronounce his Obama name. Yang. Obama yeah. Yang got um, bumped out of the squad today for disciplinary reasons, which indicates that we may be talking about him rather than uh, Pulisic. Um, and also, sadly, we might be talking to um, them because maybe they fancy Babarama um, on loan. I. You know, I can't, I can't, I'm really, really sorry, guys. I'd love to say, yeah, he'll be here. I can't see him coming to Chelsea. I I can't be wrong, but I can't Uh, see it at all. So I love, I love this kid. Uh, I think that, you know, as, as an American national team fan, uh, uh, you know, he is for for the U S team, the most important player in our next 15 years um, easily. Uh, He is tremendously gifted, uh, do I want him at Chelsea? Selfishly, sure. Um, how much do I think he'd cost? Fifty million, easily, and that's and that's pounds. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, would we beat out Liverpool United for him? No, I don't think we would. Uh, just being brutally honest with the way the club's done business. I, the most important point here is that I don't think he is Premier League material right now, and I know that's gonna make some people angry. I know it's gonna. You know, infuriate those who are who are pipe dreaming this of, of becoming a reality and having, you know, the the number thirteen Pulisic shirt on it, and you know, and and, and representing American players on on the Chelsea team, uh, like we got exci- semi excited about Miazga. He falls over too easily. He's not physical enough right now. Uh, he has an air that he's better than he is, and. I think he needs to stay at Dortmund for as long as humanly possible um, to develop uh, into the 23-year-old version of himself that is going to be a world beater. He is a tremendous, tremendous talent, Dan, but I do not think he would thrive in the Premier League, and it might set him back. I, I do agree that it'd be expensive. I, I do think he would want to uh, potentially uh, go and play for uh, for Klopp and in that attacking formation um, would, would we want him? I, I think absolutely. But I, I think when you also look at some of the other young attacking talent um, you know, our club has, uh, it would be Tammy Abraham, uh, Hudson Adoy. You know, th- there are some people that um, for a much lower cost and potentially for a similar level of, of output, uh, potentially even higher, 
Um, you, you don't always have to look uh, to another country, another team to acquire him. I, I think the the hope would be to see an American Chelsea player kind of be extremely successful, and uh, that would be wonderful. But uh, that is secondary to just Chelsea as a whole being successful. No, you're right. Like I said, it's fun speculation. Obviously, Clayton, there was no pressure on that. We just, you know, are being super biased and want to dream a little bit. Personally, I don't think Chelsea right now in the current state we're at is good for him because uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty and he has a lot of developing that needs to be done. And, you know, Dortmund, he has a little more time and patience for him to develop at Chelsea. Uh, it would be much more cutthroat. So we'll see how it all goes. Um, Aubameyang would be a much different alternative to Murata, and uh, we'll kind of see what happens. But uh, I definitely think that from what we hear, a striker is very high on the priority list for this month. Um, by the time you're listening to this, month is probably about halfway over. So it could be an exciting or not exciting <laughs> two weeks. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, real quick, though, Nick... We are going back to London, and so we just have to give our obligatory shout-out to Go Sign Up if you're interested, or probably hit us with questions, because we're still getting a lot of them about the trip. Right, exactly. So uh, just a quick uh, check-in on the deadline. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Self-imposing the final sign-up date uh, at the end of February, so the 28th of February, just to make sure that we have everything in order tickets-wise and things like that. Uh, we will post a link um, this week to the trip so you can sign up and, and everything. That information is on our website. If you go to londonisbluepodcast.com, click on the, um, uh, the, the trip option and it'll take you through all the information. The wild card of this trip still, because we haven't played Barcelona yet, is there may or may not be a midweek Champions League match during this, uh, during this trip. So... Ideally, we beat Barcelona and we have a home match potentially to watch in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I know that seems like a pipe dream with the way the team are playing right now. Uh, but at the very least, Dan, you'll have a uh, Chelsea Spurs match at Stamford Bridge. And uh, in the way that the table looks right now, that could be a big one. It could be. You know, we're definitely going to be in contention for uh, one of the spots uh, two through four. And uh, don't expect those in five or six to go quietly into the night so uh, always a great time to get over there we get to see wonderful people like clayton and uh, all of our friends in addition to taking in a match so any other questions hit us up we'd love to help you get over to london with us all right well unfortunately uh we are looking at a whole week off as we had previewed last week but it's not gonna happen we've got to play norwich city again fa cup replay it'll be at Stamford bridge this time it'll be this coming wednesday january 17th uh, I don't really want to spend too much time on this because I think it sucks we even have to play it. So, uh, real quick, Clayton, uh, two points for you, and then Dan and Nick, you can play off it. Um, a, what do you think Conte will do with the lineup as far as rotating players? And B, um, I guess, how important is it to you? Like, what what if we lose? Um, FA Cup is very special to... A certain generation uh, and I'm part of that generation and um, I don't want to go out of the FA Cup I know that our fixture congestion will ease slightly if we go out I think that where we are at the moment it would be an absolutely catastrophic thing to happen um, the mood of the club is, is, is really down the mood of the fans is quite negative at the moment so if we did go out on Wednesday which I don't think we will for one minute 
Um, I think that would that would just be a downward spiral, um, which could could possibly just uh, our season could collapse. To be perfectly honest, um, in terms of the lineup, I think that you will see um, six or seven changes from the team that played yesterday. I'd love to see Morata playing up front with. I think it would do them both good. There is a lot of um, crying out for Hudson Odoi to get a chance. It'd be nice to see Charlie Masonda. I mean, the, the one thing about the the Norwich game, um, just very quickly, was it was very frustrating that for the last ten minutes, when um, Charlie Masonda and uh, Dujon Sterling came on, the whole pace of our team seemed to pick up. So. Um, from my perspective, I'd love to see some of those guys playing, uh, but I just want to win. It's another game. I'm going to see my team. You know, um, I'm, I would say I'm looking forward to it. I, I probably am, um, but it just means I could go to Chelsea again. So that's good. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. I think that any time that you can give, you know, even slight rest, whether it's Zappa Costa coming in on the left and and Dujon playing on the right. Uh, of of the wings, I think that is tremendous uh, as an idea. I think Masanda and uh, you know pick your striker combo maybe in a three five two or three four three could be really interesting. Uh, you know, I think that this has to be a rotation game, uh, Dan. Like for for players to rest, you know, Ingolo Conte shouldn't play this game. Um, you, know, you might have a Bakayoko Barkley setup or something like that. I I don't know, but th- this has to be a rotation game. I think. Yeah, and you you would hope to see Barkley play and see what he's able to offer, and I think that would be probably the most exciting element of this uh, this entire match uh, would be Barkley, and then see some players who haven't gotten minutes or who are on the the fringes or are youth getting an opportunity to you know in- intersect with the first team, and that would be be quite wonderful. So. Uh, hope for that is is first you know uh, for secondary though to uh, to winning and then just moving forward in the competition so uh, onward and upward well we'll see how it goes uh it is must win you know i think like clayton said we bomb out now that's going to create a lot of uh, lingering effects especially just from a confidence standpoint and a lot of turmoil between the manager and and the board and things of that nature so um, well, and I wanted to I wanted to quickly bring this up because I do feel like it's a talking point, like probably the only talking point I really care about, and and this is directed towards Clayton is, you know, Courtois came out after the Leicester match and said, hey, like we need the fans behind us, you know, it was kind of a negative atmosphere there for a while on Saturday, Clayton. Um, can you maybe talk about what you're expecting uh, on um, on Wednesday and and how do you how do you feel like the the fans will react? Um, yesterday was unfortunate. There were a couple of occasions in the in the first half where we were really under the cosh, where the crowd were um, expressing their displeasure. And there was a, a moment when Asby um, was looking at the crowd and, and just saying, look, come on, you know, don't do this. You know, support us. Just, just help us. Um, and it isn't a help. Uh, it's frustration and a lot of people can only take their frustration out by giving players grief, which is, which is not helpful. Um, There were boos at the end of the first half and there were boos at the end of the game, which again is not helpful. We didn't actually play that badly in the second half. I didn't think I thought we played okay. And if you want to look at it from, you know, a, a general perspective, we did well to get a point yesterday because we were absolutely played off the park in the first half. So, 
Um, so there was a bad atmosphere, not a terrible atmosphere, but but not a good atmosphere. Wednesday will be different because I think a lot of people, there's more access to tickets to people who don't normally go. And so I suspect that there'll be more support. I suspect that there'll be a will, um, certainly if there's a couple of young players and and. Even if Barkley if Barkley starts, then there's there's a much more positive um, atmosphere because everybody's buoyed up by a new signing. Now, whether you know when he goes off after an hour, because he's inevitably will have to for, uh, for match fitness. Um, whether they'll still be so excited, I don't know. But but you've got to think that we're going to get a couple of goals. Um, against Norwich and that lifts the cloud you know that 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 whole thing but Thibaut was entirely 100% correct um but it's just it's sadly inevitable in this sort of the age that we live in now that that that's the the fans behave in that way and it's it's really quite disappointing well I think that's why this is such an important match to go out get the confidence get some goals because we have a huge opportunity in front of Chelsea Play Brighton away this coming Saturday, followed up by Bournemouth, uh, you know, on the 31st, and then Watford away, uh, West Brom, before then the crazy United City, Barcelona. So if we can go in there, at least from the league standpoint, you know, you can get four wins in a row, advance in the FA Cup, hopefully knock Arsenal out in the League Cup. All of a sudden, you're going into the Manchester City Barcelona weeks right in there feeling way better than we can be so I'm excited for the opportunity in front of Chelsea and hope that we can capitalize on it and we can really kind of turn this malaise and frustration into a lot of positive momentum Um, but obviously there's a lot of work that has to be done to make that happen so uh, with that being said Chelsea fans we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up uh, it has been an amazing time, Clayton, chatting with you as always. Uh, the insight that we get from you know fans that have have seen a lot more highs and lows than what most of us have, especially you know all of us that rely on TV coverage to get to know Chelsea and, and see them. So again, thank you. You know, just uh, not only for coming on the pod, but for uh, being an amazing person when we get to go to London and see you face to face as well. Well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, I hope uh, your listeners enjoy um, my words of wisdom, or not as the case may be. Um, and really looking forward to uh, to catching up with you guys again when you come back to London in March. Really looking forward to that. Oh, of course, as always. So, uh, Dan, real quick, anything uh, you'd like to wrap up with your final thought for this episode? Not at all. Just, uh, again, another thanks to Clayton. Yeah. Always a gentleman. And, uh, again, if you haven't read his book, uh, Palpable Discord, uh, it can get worse. And uh, another way to uh, make yourself feel better is to remember how bad it actually can get. Yeah. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Uplifting. Uplifting spirit there, Dan. That was Nick, good. Nick, pressure's um, on. Yeah. I, I would just quickly say, like, everyone just calm down. Calm down. We're fine. You know, I know the league is a little bit... Uh, less beautiful of a picture, you know, in the, in the table as it as it was before this. But um, I have faith, and I, and I think we'll we'll uh, we'll get this thing uh, done this year. So uh, up and up. All right. Well, with that being said, Chelsea fans, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, we have a midweek match. Don't miss it. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop. 
Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.